Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. First and foremost, I want to start off with a slight apology. We obviously did the uh, the Lewis interview. We mentioned it on last week's podcast, and a lot of people would have gone to the site after listening to that, excited to read more from Lewis, and found that it wasn't there. There was a bit of an internal squabble. Some, you know, we have a lot of different moving parts at Stab, and sometimes we have projects that interfere with one another, etc. Anyway, we ended up getting it up on Monday, so if you were looking for that, it is on the site now. You can read all of Lewis's words, which are incredible. Um, With that, though, we're into a new week, and there is so much happening right now. So we've got news from the Board Riders ABG deal, which is just closing right now. We've got some updates for you there. We have a new Stab Edit of the Year entry, which we are really excited about. Um, Kelly Slater, Mason Ho, Aaron Brooks, and more pick the 2023 World Champions. Yes, we asked a lot of your favorite surfers who they think will win, and we have some stats for you. Um, We also have a story from the the french qs that i it's just it's the funniest thing that i've heard in a really long it's not funny it's it's like sad but the way that this person dealt with it is just incredible so we're going to hear from um, a surfer who is potentially very high on morphine after a major incident but they seem to be making the best of it and then buck is going to teach us how to breathe in the water if you can believe it and of course a surf's in so let's drop in all right mikey how was vacation was it everything you wanted it was yeah it was pretty great it was a really good group of surfers um we obviously did that can trip and that was like there's so many surfers and so few waves on that trip that it <laughs> created like a really interesting environment but this one we got a little bit more surf um and we also we weren't on like a deserted island so people had the ability to go and like do other things if they wanted to so it was yeah it was really fun I actually had my 30th birthday while I was there, or actually my 30th birthday party. So that was really fun. We went out, had a couple big nights, and yeah, everybody seemed to really enjoy themselves. And they got a special little treat while they were there on top of that. So we will be putting that together. I don't want to give a release date yet because I know we have a lot of other projects going on right now. So our editors are a little bit tied up. But that will be a fun, feel-good little film that we put out in the next, I don't know, three months, four months. And who won? You said it was the green team? (laughs) Yeah, the green team somehow came back against all odds. (laughs) No, it was the red team. Um, They had it from the start. They won that first challenge and pretty much everyone thereafter. They were the team to beat the whole time. They had, you know, the two veterans, Zoe McDougal and Zeke. And then they brought in Letty, absolute ringer, and then... um, Eli Bukas, who just can do anything on a surfboard that you ask him to, even if he's never done it before. So uh, congratulations to the red team for winning Stab Highway Europe, presented by Monster Energy, and to Shane Sykes, who got an invite despite losing with the yellow team. So that was our little crew we had down here. The The clip we posted on social created quite a divide amongst the yellow team. He uh, may have been ostracized from that community. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. And you know what's interesting, too, is the yellow team... I just found out while I was with Shane that they're basically all traveling around Indo together. They're in like the Mets, I think, right now. So Luke, <laughs> Victoria, awesome. Miguel. Um, yeah, I think Shane was maybe even regretting his um, g- good fortune of getting invited on the winner's trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I will say that he, he introduced a lot of um, yellow team ethos into into this trip at House of Somos. So you'll get to see a bit of a, a mix of everything in here. All right. Well, that's coming. But now, let's get to the news.
day one of the world's largest surf company. All right, eight major surf brands are now under the same roof now that the Authentic Brands Group Board Riders deal has closed. We've got Volcom, Billabong, Quicksilver, Roxy, Ruka, DC, Element, and wait for it, Honolulu. All under the same roof. You oh, might... I thought for sure you were going to say custom. Wow, I mean, I I said major surf brands at, at the beginning, and then I ended it with Honolulu. Uh, there's something to be said about ending strong, and I don't think I did it there. Anyway, those are the eight brands. The Board Riders deal with ABG just closed. As we're speaking, that's actually not true. Um, <laughs> it is right now August 31st. This was the original date targeted for the close I got word that it's likely going to be tomorrow, but by the time this is in your ears, this deal this deal will have closed. And so now we've got this mega mega conglomerate of surf brands that are all under one roof, and there's a lot going on. You know, we've talked about this a lot. This has been coming for a really long time. Um, the day is finally here. We know that a lot of people got laid off. We know that, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of things to be figured out as far as especially like which surfers are going to stay on, but... I just can't help but feel like this is just not the best thing. Like, in what world is a monopoly, like, better for anyone other than the people who control that monopoly? It's, yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit of a sad day, I suppose. And especially knowing some people that work for several of these brands, like, yeah, it's a bit of a somber, somber feeling going around the surf industry right now. But on the flip side, as this um, story notes toward the end, what this does is it really opens up a lot of different lanes for smaller brands to come up and fill those gaps that these bigger brands used to. Yeah, and I mean, it always sucks when people get laid off, but I think that has been a reality with that group for pretty much since Quicksilver filed for bankruptcy. Um, or pretty much since which when that happened, other brands that had gone mega were obviously contracting as well. So I think these these layoffs, they always suck, but they're nothing new. I mean, I survived rounds of them, but they like by the whole the whole time I was at Quicksilver, there was this sense that like a layoff is coming and then the layoffs here and then two years later it's always here. So that's not anything really new and I mean I I guess I... but it's it's not really about the layoffs like yeah like that sucks for those individuals for sure but to me it's about like the bigger picture like what does it mean that all of these major surf brands are under the same umbrella you know like it just it doesn't feel right like it obviously innovation comes from people like who are competing against one another and that's not the case with these brands anymore yeah but i think now more than ever you can a direct to consumer strategy like yeah, that would have sucked when it's all just pumping through surf shops and people could really control that monopoly. But that's not how it works anymore. I know it's when you have that channel, it's much easier. But than slugging it out with a DDC strategy, but I think it's. I think I'm not too worried about the surf industry becoming a monopoly. I think there will always be like, what are we making here? Okay, clothing is not that hard to make. Wetsuits are pretty hard to make. Board shorts are somewhat technical, but it's not like. If you want other shit, you'll be able to buy it. I don't think it's going to like prevent you, the consumer, from like buying shit or other brands from being like, okay, if this is what Authentic's doing, then we'll do other stuff. But it all trickles down, right? Because then it goes to like, what are these mega brands or like the brands above the real brands? What are they going to see as valuable, right? So are they going to see having these big surf teams as valuable? 
Probably not. I would imagine that a large portion of the surfers on all these different brands are going to be cut in the near future or, or simply not renewed, I suppose you could say. And that trickles down to like, it. I don't know, it's like it's all tied together. And it's just the idea of this like big money coming in that doesn't care about the industry that doesn't care about the culture. They're just going to make decisions based on the bottom line, which in the end, ironically, will basically kill all of them. Because if you're not making decisions with the culture in mind, then nobody's going to buy into it. So I don't know, it's just this vicious cycle that we've seen it before. And right now we're in, in this sort of cycle, but I think that what it means is a resurgence of the small brands that will bring surfing back to where it needs to be. And hopefully that means, you know, surfers continue to be sponsored. We continue to, you know, make films and all these things that feel important to us. Um, but yeah, right now it's just a, it's a weird time. I guess so. But I mean, it's not like it was better for the past since Oak Tree bought it, which I think was 2014. Um, Oak Tree is a company, just a private equity group that owns like oil companies and shit that just comes in when a business is struggling, pumps some money into it, and then chops it down and sells it. So like at least ABG, like they almost went public in 2021 and instead they took some cash, they sold equity for cash, and that deal valued them at twelve point seven billion. So now they're sitting with somebody who has way more cash and I think is down to throw it around a little bit more. I don't think it's going to be as doom as gloom as you do. I basically, I think is the, is the short of it. I don't think it's any worse than being owned by a company that buys like shitty oil companies and just flips them like the same as Quicksilver. Um, if you are worried about the monopoly, I've got a really bad hot rumor for you that I arguably shouldn't be saying on the program, but since it's not in writing and nobody can screenshot it, we're all friends here. I have heard a whisper that the CEO of authentic Jamie Salter is looking into buying the WSL. So if you heard on that front, it is very bad news for you. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll see. A lot going on here still. Um, just some details of the deal. 1.3 bills. So compared to what Authentic's $12.7 billion valuation was in 2021, you know, not too, not too much of a stress for them. Um, one thing that we've been talking about on here before is some of the licensee deals. So basically what Authentic does is they buy intellectual property, i.e. brands that you, I, everybody recognizes, and they sell the rights out to other brands who will actually go on and create the product and sell that product. And so they do it in a bunch of different ways, by country, by channel, such as you know e-com versus wholesale. And I think the most confusing part of this was when the US licensees were announced, because this deal that's closing as we speak essentially only affects the U.S. business. And so we know a lot about the U.S. business right now, but we know little about Europe and Australia. What we do know is that two long-term employees of the brands are gunning for the licenses of those regions. And if they get them, that's really good news because not only might you have a company that could see some value in that, you also have licensees that see value in supporting surf culture. So that would be great news, but neither of those are confirmed until it's official. What we hear is just what we hear. Um, but let's say six months, a year from now, we'll know who all the licensees are everywhere. And I think that'll put us in a much better position to evaluate how bad or good this is for surfing. Um, one more anecdote. We talked about some of the job losses and how much it sucks. There is a funny story, actually not funny, but nah, it's kind of funny. The guy's a listener of this program, and I'm sure he's going to listen to this, and sorry, I'm laughing at your expense a little bit. You know your name. Um, 
there was a crew of employees there working in the U.S. office that got told they were losing their jobs, and then about a week later got told, actually, you can stay on until the end of the year, and then let's see how this goes and maybe even beyond that. But it was on a tight deadline. They had to say yes or no in, like, I think the next day. One guy is on a boat in Indo with no service at the moment. He went on just a no Wi-Fi boat. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he got found out that he wouldn't have a job. But I think maybe one of his friends is going to make the decision for him is the last I heard. Wow. But there is just this um, this comical scene of a guy just hopefully in a tube in Indo right now who is offered a job that somebody else is going to either accept or deny on his behalf. And that's just kind of funny. Yeah. Buck, who would you want to make that decision for you? If not your wife, I suppose. Um, Jatson Andre. <laughs> Stab edit of the year. Bell Jar by Katie Simmers. She's at this point where when she publishes anything, it's just stop and go watch it. I mean, I feel like ever since Dane did Marine Lair, I think there's been countless times where I've heard somebody be like, oh yeah, it's kind of going to be like Marine Lair. Saying it's going to be like Marine Lair is a way of saying I want to put stuff out with no, just do it. Um, And oftentimes these tend to last for an episode or two and then kind of die out. I don't think that's going to happen with Katie. She's doing her Toasted Media 760 thing. That's that's the Instagram handle, at least, Toasted Media. And I think that she really could make that, like, Dane-esque marine layer thing where she can make any surfing interesting, and then she just goes and edits it to a song that she likes. And I think that's just a winning strategy right now. Bell Jar isn't quite that. This is this is a collection of clips that she got free surfing throughout her rookie year on the CT, but it is wildly impressive. She's just so good at surfing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it goes. You don't even have to say it. Like everybody listening to this knows what she surfs like, and even when she what what makes her such an incredible surfer to me is that even when she's not doing something that is that amazing from like a performance standpoint, it's still just so fun to watch. Like. She just does these little things in between moves even that it's just like, wow, like one of those people that's truly tapped into something different with the ocean and with her surfboard. And you can just tell she's on sort of a different plane of existence when it comes to her awareness and just ability. So this edit, as you said, stab edit of the year and the title bell jar, it comes from a Sylvia Plath novel. Um, so one quote from that, which is in the um, site post is wherever I sat on the deck of a ship or a street cafe in Paris or Bangkok, I would be sitting under the same glass bell jar stewing in my own sour air. And I wonder if that is sort of a reference to how Katie feels about being on the CT. Cause it's obviously, you know, it's talking about going to all these amazing places, but that, you know, the author, or in this case, the author is writing about the story's protagonist, but they feel like they just are sort of like trapped in this little bubble that doesn't quite let them be free. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting because Katie's obviously a rookie on tour this year. She's having an unbelievable season. She made the top five, might even go on to win the world title. Who knows? Um, But she said before that, you know, she probably doesn't want to spend the majority of her life or career on tour. Like she really does love doing these free surfing things. She loves going and surfing different waves. Um, and yeah, just being more like with friends and not so serious in this sterile environment. So 
Uh, th there is a bit of a bet going on right now, actually, in Stab HQ, a rather large bet um, about whether Katie will win more or less than three world titles before 2027. So that would give her four, five years. Yeah. So including this year, it would give her five chances to win three world titles. Um, and I don't know, just her, the way that she chose this as the name of her stab at of the year entry and the way she's talked about competing before. I'm curious if she even like wants to be on for that long. Like how cool would it be if she just won like two world titles and then just like hung it up and decided to go do something else? Two years ago, she earned a spot on tour and just said, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to take it. I think it'd be hilarious if she just did that with the WSL finals. <laughs> if she just tossed them <laughs> out, be like, nah. I mean, she's in fifth now, so she has a long way to go to win. But imagine if she was like in first or second, just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't really want to be there. Wow, and that's how you retire. That'd be incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we all know just how talented she is. She could just, she's so good at writing a surfboard and she's really good at making content that everybody wants to watch just there's i feel like she's got that taste where what she puts out is just so distinctly hers as well um including Jar, just the music selection there which i actually interviewed her for this that will be dropping i believe this weekend and she told me that it was pretty much just a song that inspired it she knew that she was getting clips all year because when you're on the ct there's just always cameras around, so pretty much anytime you surf, somebody got your waves without having to organize it. And so she had all these clips from just free surfing while being on tour, not even having to think about it. And then was listening to a song one day and was like, you know what, like this would go cool for an edit. I'm just gonna grab those clips and do this. So it just feels so distinct to to her, though, you know. Um, and I love that. Yeah. It's true. Okay. Well, yeah, go give it a watch. And uh, should we hear a little bit from Katie now? We're going to give away a little bit of this last wave. This last wave, this last wave is going to blow your mind, but let's, let's let her give you some background first. Yeah, I think that was definitely the best wave of my life. But it was like, it was kind of a weird one because I don't, I don't remember anything about it really. I kind of just remember I was out there for, I got, we got there that morning to in Tahiti, so I was pretty tired. I didn't really sleep well on the plane. And then Tommy was like, oh, it's firing. Let's go out. <laughs> so we, we went out, and I was so terrified. Like, right when we pulled up, we saw um, someone getting this huge, just thick barrel, and I was like, oh, no. I was just really scared. And then I ended up surfing for like five hours and that was my last wave of the day. And I was kind of like paddling, thinking about paddling to the boat. Like um, I was really sunburned and tired and then I was like paddling in and then that wave came. And then it was like, I think Seth Moniz was like, everyone was kind of saying to go. It's kind of like a double up. So everyone that was out the back couldn't really get into it. So I just kind of, like, the biggest thing at that wave is just you have to just paddle as hard as you can and just paddle towards the beach and just commit. So I was just paddling as hard as I could and just... And then I remember the drop, but I don't remember being in the barrel, which sucks, because I... Because looking at the videos, it would have... The video would have been the best vision of my life, but I really just... I wish I remembered it, but I don't. 
and then I it was such a west wave I just got I was tried to kick out and I got hit by the lip and like went over the falls and then there was a set after and it just I like could barely breathe and it was really (laughs) I like knew that it was the best wave of my life but I was getting so worked and I was just like really confused and but then I was so happy after I was like because even though I didn't remember it, I somehow knew it was the best wave of my life. But it's definitely interesting to think that your brain can just block something out like that. Even if it's, like, a good moment. Like, I, I can't really figure out why. But, yeah, that's that story. Wow, that is insane. So, like, when did it finally hit you? Like, it, it seems like, okay, you made the wave and then you still got sucked over and then you had to deal with everything. Like, did you have like a moment even there where you could like feel joy or were you just immediately feeling like fear with the waves coming? Like how, when did it, when did you finally be like, Oh my God, I, that just happened. Like how, when did that hit you? Um, it was definitely just because like some people saw it. So they were all like screaming and I was like really happy. So it, it definitely hit instantly. Okay. Like when I, like when I was, even when I was getting, you know, when you like are getting really worked, but it's like after a good wave. So you're not even really getting worked. It was kind of like that. Okay. Okay. And then once I was out, I was like, I was on the ski with Tommy and I was just, we were like screaming and I was like, what? Like, couldn't even believe it. (laughs) Cause it was just like. that whole session that was the only wave I made the whole session I was like pulling into these waves that I probably shouldn't have been going on like eating it and just like I ripped the back of my wetsuit like on the reef earlier and it was like I don't know it just felt really good just to get a good wave because I had been out for like five hours just trying and trying and trying and making not great, not that smart decisions on waves. So I really, I was glad that it kind of went my way for that one. Yeah. How many waves do you think you got before that? Um, I probably got, I probably got maybe like 10 to 15 waves that session. And on like five of them, I took pretty bad wipeouts. And now I would like to share a cautionary tale. One time there was plenty of swell and the next morning it looked like the wind would be cooperating and the tide would be ideal. So my friends and I decided we go for a morning surf. One of my friends woke up extra early and as he's driving to the beach, he realized he was hungry. So he saw a Denny's and decided to get breakfast there. So my friend sits down, makes himself comfortable and tries to order a senor omelet. The server her name was Jean, told him, I'm sorry, that's not a Mexican dish. It's a senior omelet off our senior menu. And he goes, what? And she goes, yeah, it's for seniors. Uh, For people 55 and older, we give them a discount. And he goes, what the fuck? Some of these people lived through the most indulgent times in American history. Social Security is going to run up by the time I'm 55. Plus, I work full time and can hardly pay my rent. Where the fuck is my discount, Gene? And he kind of yelled, so the restaurant went silent. Gene said, kind of quietly, Well, honey, 
if you want to save money, maybe you shouldn't be eating out for breakfast on a Tuesday morning. And he goes, with all due respect, Gene, I don't take financial advice from a Denny's server. Now, Gene didn't like that, and she finally broke. She lunged at him, and there was a physical altercation. Eventually, the cops came, but neither party decided to press charges. However, by the time my friend got to the beach, the wind had already switched. Now, do you know what he did wrong there? He didn't have a fringe bar. Fringe has created the world's first protein bar made specifically for surfers. Fringe bars are designed to provide the ultimate nutrition to fuel your session and help you recover for your next. Let's hear it out. They are fully plant-based, gluten-free, have 15 grams of protein, zero grams of added sugar. They're made with real, all-natural ingredients and come in three delicious flavors. You know what else? They got adaptogenic mushrooms to keep your mind and body balanced. So what you're going to want to do is head on over to fringefoodco.com and use the code STAB to take 15% off your first order of Fringe Bars. They are available in 12 packs of chocolate almond butter, coconut cashew, mango hemp, or you can get a variety pack that features all three flavors. Again, that's fringefoodco.com, and you're going to want to enter the code STAB for 15% off your first order. If you eat the Fringe Bar, I promise you, you will never, and I mean never, be detained at an American fast food restaurant. Kelly Slater, Mason Ho, Aaron Brooks, and more pick the 2023 world champion. So folks, at the start of the year, we ran a little poll and we asked our audience who they thought would win the 2023 world title. 41% of the people said Gabe, 30% said John John, 9% said Philippe, and then it's just downhill from there. But that might it's it's crazy to think that we're here. It's crazy to think that I mean that wasn't that felt fitting at the time. The fact that seventy percent of the people said, Yeah, these are who's most likely to win. I mean, I'm pretty sure I said Gabe if I was asked. Neither of them are in the final five, and here we are. So we talked to a bunch of people, we meaning Holden, talked to what, like ten people to get picks from just all different angles of the surf world. And you can read that in this story. I got to say, there are some clear favorites. Um, probably not surprising, but some clear favorites. Mikey, what was what was some of the most surprising thing about people's picks that you saw? I actually, I mean, maybe the most surprising thing to me was like how far off we were in the beginning of the year. And there's actually, the, the story opens with a really good sort of paragraph. You did well, though. Yeah, I did better than most but i did better than stace that's all that really matters um but the story opens with a really like great paragraph so i'm just going to read it from holden it says over a 20-year period researcher philip tetlock asked a range of experts pundits and forecasters to make predictions on certain world events ranging from socioeconomic issues to political changes after comparing nearly 30,000 predictions against real-world results, he found that the experts barely outscored a group of dart-throwing chimps and did no better than a group he described as, quote-unquote, attentive readers of the New York Times. He also found the more famous the expert, the less accurate their predictions were. So, I mean, predicting things is so much fun, but also so stupid um, at the same time, because we just clearly are not very good at it and we have so much confidence most of the time in what we're doing like humans have such like unfounded confidence and it's hilarious especially when you are on 
uh, a position of like you should theoretically know. But yeah, I guess there's a difference between having a lot of knowledge and having foresight and foresight is almost impossible to have. So uh, yeah, with that, as Buck said, we asked all these different people, um, big people in the surf world, who they think now that they at least know who the 10 people are that have a chance of winning world titles. And yeah, the stats came out at the end, 52% fit picked Felipe Toledo as the male winner, and 41% went with Griffin, who's obviously coming in at the number two seed. So that's the big one right there. Um, on the women's side, we have 76% picking Carissa and 18% picking Katie. So that's pretty wild that the second most picked person is the fifth ranked surfer. It just goes to show how much of an impact Katie's had on competitive and professional surfing as a whole this year as if beljar isn't going to take a prime piece of real estate in every other competitor's mind right now when that thing drops you know they're all watching it and you know they're all going fuck yeah i agree um a hundred percent one of the major uh dark horses that was called out though on the women's side is caroline marks and a few people made a really good argument for her Jimmy Kane, especially, uh, he mentioned that, you know, she's the only goofy foot in the entire event, you know, 10 surfers, five male, five female. She's the only goofy foot there, which can really create a point of difference. And if she's able to sort of like leverage that backhand on one of those like steeper rights that lowers has usually one of the mid-sized ones, like she could really do some damage. Um, it's so interesting that apparently she just got a she just got to land that turn that Toddy fell on, and then there you go. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man, she probably still can't sleep over that. That's so sad. But anyway, obviously you got Carissa, too, who's coming back after probably feeling wronged in 2022 with Steph coming from so far back and taking out the whole field. Felipe, people mentioned, is probably the best surfer ever at lowers, so he's got to be the favorite. But also they say Griffin has a quote-unquote home corn advantage, Felipe obviously lives there too, so I don't know how much of a real thing that is. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, storylines. And another one that um, one of the few people that wasn't mentioned very often was Ethan Ewing. And of course, that has much more to do with his ongoing injury than his surfing ability. However, as we just learned, um, well, I guess we kind of heard rumors about it last week and we mentioned it in the podcast. But this week, we know for sure that Ethan has picked up a batch of boards and has flown over to the U.S., I don't believe he's been surfing much yet. He's been doing, obviously, a lot of um, rehab in the gym and whatnot, but he's going to do his best, he says, to be ready to compete in the event. Also, did you find it interesting that, like, have you ever seen him with airbrushed boards before? This is the first time I've ever seen him, I think, with a non-white surfboard. No, but I liked it. I took note of that, too. I was like, okay, we're getting a little bit flary, aren't we? Yeah, so Ethan Ewing, it sounds like, at the very least, he'll he'll try to compete knowing that injury I, I think it will be difficult for him to go against guys who are at a similar if not even higher level than him and have no major injuries so we'll see how it all plays out um but that kind of concludes the gab and ethan saga gab actually put out a really nice and thoughtful instagram post this week talking about how you he tried his absolute best and it wasn't good enough but you know he's still really motivated so Hopefully that means he's coming back next year with um, sort of that same chopu venom that he had this year, uh, you know, and yeah, setting up for a great 2024. But obviously, first and foremost, we have this WSL finals to come. So Stace and I are going to do a bespoke podcast on that topic, I think early next week. And you wouldn't believe it, Buck, 
there's going to be a pumping swell at lowers right before the event window. Ah, you know, it's kind of funny when it happens in certain events. No, it's never really funny, actually. But there's something about, like, this is the one... I just want to say thoughts and prayers to everybody who's been, like, passionately hating the WSL and the new system. Imagine not being excited for this. Like, imagine... Like, you can't yell at it for a year and then, like, not watch this. It's true. You know? Like, you, you have to you have to stick to your guns. And I feel bad for everybody who's just been invested in, like, nearly daily comments yelling at the WSL for any decision they make because I don't think they can watch it now. And I think there's no chance that they are actually going to follow through on that. I think, how could you not be excited? How, like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm already thinking about there's a chance I'm going to be on a flight when this is happening. I would be legitimately upset. I would feel pain in my heart. Um, so I'm very excited, and let's see what happens. Well, one more thing, too. I hope, like, because, you know, I was kind of – we're doing, like, the Felipe dad quad thing. Mm. I hope he just goes even further and just goes, like, mid-length twin fin this year. Shocks everybody. <laughs> Still wins. Actually, one more other thing, too. You are talking about predictions before, and I want to go to this bar where they have the chimps throwing the darts at the board. That sounded fun. <laughs> yeah, that does sound fun. I'd bet on that. Betonline.ag. That sounds awesome. Throw the odds up. I'm doing research. <laughs> Thinking about the future, man. <laughs> Barrick DeVries gave his femur to the queue and still didn't get the score. This is probably the most outlandish interview that I have seen on our website in quite some time. Really, just I'm scratching my memory and nothing comes close. Bear DeVries broke his fucking femur in a foreign country, that being France, he's South African, and has a wild story. An absolutely wild story, I mean, from the point of how it happened it happened on such a innocent looking wave and an innocent looking turn it was just a really freak accident um and then from there just that has to be one of the most painful things in the world and obviously when you're in extreme amount of pain like that they give you meds and so he said they put him on ketamine and so he was just kind of in a k-hole at the comp site felt like he was there for like three days everybody's just kind of yelling at him in french and he's freestyle rapping just to make himself feel good it's a wild story. I was reading it and my jaw was just dropping and every paragraph kept on getting weirder. And I walked away at the end of it and was like, wow, this guy is fascinating. Yeah, I don't even think we can really do justice to how like ridiculous and hilarious this interview is. So let's hear from Barry. Let's just hear him. It was very low tide and I was in a four-man heat. It was my first heat of the year, like of the season. And... All the boys went to the left, uh, like down the beach, and I wanted to serve a rise. They were, they were kind of doing two turns or three turns, like this little mini left on the beach, just a bit softer, not, not as shallow. And I just, I found that the hollower wave, like on this QS, they've just been rewarding closeouts. So I tried to just find one hollow, heavy section. And I hit it, and I landed in the trough of the wave. The bounce-up came, snapped my board, and I think I landed on the sandbank on half of my board sideways and just uh, and, and snapped my femur in five places on the rail of the board. 
Oh no! In five places. Five, five fractured it in five places with one break. Fucking hell! Isn't your female like the the strongest bone in your leg? Yeah. Shit. Sure. So, yeah. what, what does that mean for you now? Well, they gave me an eight out of ten for. Oh, for for broken for quality of broken legs. So I guess I got the score, but WSL isn't counting it. So that I'm I'm getting my legal team involved. Then they're not they're not counting it. They're not counting it because the the hospital gave me an eight out of ten for like severity of leg breaks, but. <laughs> Uh, WSL said that the hospitals weren't judging, so I don't know, it's a bit of a shit show right now. I say I made the heat. <laughs> that's commitment. Yeah, that's in the criteria, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Degree of commitment? <laughs> I fucking gave a leg for you. <laughs> I invested a leg. <laughs> you, you give your leg to the cure. Yeah, bro, but hey, they, 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 they're paying now, bro. Yeah, flying me first class back. I think I'm gonna. I won't break even with them, but I'm, I'm definitely gonna have a lot less debt with the WSL now because they're gonna be paying me lots. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, dude. I would go for that section again if I had it over. Maybe it's just not very clever, but I st- it still seems like the right thing to do. How'd you go on the heat? But third, I, I beat someone. Whoever, whoever got fourth into a tie over. <laughs> Bro, you got beaten by beat someone with, with one leg. <laughs> no, he can't have that. Yeah, he needs to go have a chat with his family. It took an hour and a half for them to give me any medication, dude. So, like, the lifeguards wouldn't give me any meds. Then the ambulance came, so I thought that was my knight in shining armor. <laughs> and then the ambulance came and they wouldn't give me any meds. They said, no, only the doctors can. So I was like, well, where the fuck are the doctors? And then, and then a doctor came out, and it's an hour and a half, and I'm like, and then eventually I get onto med. Under the water, I felt my knee touch my belly button, bro. Oh. Like, I felt it go sideways, brother. Um, so I went into, like, hardcore mode from there. I just went, you're not a fucking pussy. I said, grab your leg with your one hand, swim with the other hand. I even gave myself, because I felt myself, like, kind of getting, like, woozy, and I just... Gave myself two jabs with my right hand to the chin. And I was like, stay awake, bro. Come on. And I screamed. I was like, ah. And I went, help, whatever. And then I swam with the right hand, held it in place with the left. Because also you can, like, kind of rupture your arteries with that femur bone, you know. So I was trying just to not let the femur, like, be a little pesky little femur and cut my pesky little artery. I wanted to not, I didn't want them to be introduced to each other that day. I wanted them to still stay. <laughs> away from each other yeah um so then yeah but to be each other and then eventually they do then they fucking eventually they put me like so so i was rapping but i was like freestyle rapping and you know, there were some songs were coming on and I, I started trying to get everyone around me to sing and stuff <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a video of that <laughs> i'll this, send you that is this pre-painkillers you're rapping or is this like... No, pre- yeah, this is pre-painkillers. This is just flipping G-killers, bro. <laughs> um... And then eventually they put me on, on some morphine or whatever, and then, dude, fucking next thing, 
they're like, listen, I'm going to give you, we're going to give you something, we're going to transport you into the ambulance, and it's going to put you into dream world. And I was like, brother, hit me up, what is it? I probably know it. What is it? What we got? And, bro, I don't, they don't tell me what it is. Next thing, I'm in this K-hole, and... I'm fucking, I can see everyone at the corner. It felt like I lived four months of my life at this unlit event, just spinning around, like, right to left. So they gave me this whole dose of ketamine. So that was the first time I've ever been in the K-hole at the contest. <laughs> How to breathe in the water. Okay, this is my story. I wrote this one. As we all know, talked about in the program very much, I'm a level 2 Reiki healer. Uh, this is not a, a certification that I leverage often, but I worked it into the intro somehow, and I think that's the most I'll ever get out of pursuing that tangent. You can write it off now, whatever you paid for it. I think it was probably about $15, um, if I remember correctly. It was not, it was not an expensive it was an interesting program, let's say. Anyway, for this story, I spoke with New York Times best-selling author of the book Breath, James Nestor. I would talk with Greg Long, who is not just a guy you saw in that How Servers Get Paid on Twiggy, Selling Wave in Africa. He's also a big wave world champ. Eddie Winner, a guy who's actually ran out of breath in heavy water. He technically drowned at Cortez once, was able to come back to life. And Rafael Moldonado, who works closely with Leandro Dora to work with Iago Dora, Jack Robinson, and every other athlete they have in their stable, which is many, ranging from top dogs to small dogs. Anyway, it turns out there is a right and a wrong way to breathe, according to all of these people who I think we consider experts. And I noticed that social media does not agree with that. Mm. Yeah, social media went pretty hard on this one. They were not thrilled with me telling them that it's not even me. I didn't tell them that. I talked to three experts who did, told them to breathe out of their noses. Um, it sounds a little bit weird. It's it's. I try to do it in the water, and it's a little bit weird to get used to. Um, I can't say that I've had any crazy performance benefits from it, but then again, I'm not too focused on it. I just thought it was an interesting thing to explore. Uh, but yeah, all these people agree. Your nose is for breathing. Your mouth is for eating. Your body is absorbing way more oxygen if you're breathing more slowly. Short, shallow breaths do less for you than long, deeper breaths. And again, that's something that like feels kind of weird at first. You have to adjust to it. But in general, it seems that your body operates better when you do that. There is science to prove it. It's talked about in this piece. And that's kind of where we're at. So breathe through your nose. Yeah, well, this is um, an interesting one for me because I've always struggled to breathe through my nose. I have a deviated septum, and I'm actually getting surgery for it next month. So hopefully that resolves some issues for me, and I start you know, landing like double rotations soon thereafter. I think if you read this story word for word, I think it has a line in there about that. I think that's what we promised. <laughs> hey, another interesting thing about breathing that I learned recently. Um, do you know how you lose weight like from a like mechanical standpoint like say you weigh 140 pounds do you know how your body and you get down to 125 do you know how your body sheds those 15 pounds sounds like you're gonna say breathing yeah it's literally it comes out your nose it's literally expelling co2 that's how because co2 like weighs 
more than something or other. So yeah, it's like, that's how you're, you actually lose weight through breathing. And obviously um, you achieve that by eating healthier and exercising more, etc. But breath is actually how you expel that weight. So that's why you're supposed to, you know, exercise and get your heart rate up and get your, your breathing going a lot. Um, that's one of the main reasons that exercise works so well to lose weight. And one other thing on breathing is that uh, Greg Long, you mentioned that he was in this, and he talks about that feeling when you've been holding your breath for a while and your diaphragm starts to spasm. So this piece explains something that the flexing diaphragm, it doesn't mean that you need oxygen. It means that you have excess CO2. So when people start to feel that and they're underwater, they assume that means that they're about four and a half seconds from dying. And typically that's not actually the case. It's your body giving you a bit of like a warning that because there's excess CO2, there's a likelihood that there is, you know, not quite enough O2 to get you through whatever you're going through. But in reality, you still have a decent amount of time when that begins. And I don't know if you've done breath training at all, Buck, like holding your breath, but like that is such a scary feeling. Even if you're, you know, just below the surface of the water in a pool or whatever, like a totally controlled environment, it's so hard to overcome that mentally. Yeah, I've never done it in a pool. I have done it just on land, but one thing mentioned in this piece is definitely, definitely, definitely never do it in a pool alone. Like if you're with people and especially if you're in like a, a training setting where you're working with professional people, you can do it in a pool. But a lot of people get in trouble with stuff like that. If you if you mess with your breath in a place where you could be vulnerable if you pass out, that can be really bad news. So I've never done it like that just because I've never been to like a... I've read a lot into it. I've read quite a few books and... And it's always been a point of interest for me, but I haven't gone to like a formal breath holding training because I've never really felt the need to. I've always, I don't surf waves big enough to make me worry that I'm going to run out of oxygen. Obviously, if like your board hits you in a weird way, you're fucked regardless if it's four foot or much, much, much bigger. Um, But I've never really felt like I have needed to push myself any further than where I'm at now with that. But yeah, it is... You'll learn a lot in here. Get in there. I'm probably too close to it to really break it down. But uh, go read it, breathe through your nose, and do triple rotations because that is absolutely what this piece promises. Man, it's a good mix of stories this week, Buck. We got, you know, surf industry stuff. We've got a stab edit of the year. We've got WSL finals talk from the biggest names in surfing. We've got uh, an absolute, like, just hilarious qs story and then a bit of like knowledge for life in here so that's that's a great little run but um we also have a few other things so we did talk about already who the stab highway highway winners were um or sorry i want to go back real quick um and we do actually have a few other things that didn't even make the cut this week which i know for instance you really wanted to talk about matt mcgillivray um we posted a profile on him by paul evans late last week and it goes into how he's just doing all this crazy shit basically to relax between like ct events he jumps off of bridges it's so good it's so good that was incredible i think paul did a great job and it's just he's on a different trip he's just a different human being yeah i don't know if you've ever spent time with him but he's seriously the most like mellow human being on the face of the planet it's insane i have not spent time with him but it's just insane the clip that we posted on instagram to hype the story i i it's it's baffling it's baffling that somebody that's competing at the highest level like that just does that for fun to me. It's so cool. And the goal is to get in one of those squirrel suits. 
he has to hit like a certain amount of jumps or yeah it's wild and it's all illegal too which makes it even more interesting he's like yeah i'll I'll cop a hundred dollar fine for jumping off of this bridge and then fighting off baboons so yeah go read that story um ethan davis actually said that it was pretty much his favorite thing that he's read on the site all year so yeah for the people who really love that sort of stuff like adrenaline seeking it's got good taste too it's pretty crazy yeah um and you also have a story coming up about how to enjoy europe which obviously we did stab highway europe and that is not quite that that is kind of like how to really punish yourself your way through europe but this is sort of the flip side of if you're going to be in these regions um how you make the most of it and get the basically the best trip of your life yeah yeah pretty much just try to look at the route and think some of the i think one challenge the only one that crosses over is the eat 10 pinchos in san sebastian uh i didn't put a timeline on it in the episode it was an hour but it's just something you should do and everything else was completely different because a lot of those challenges like i'm not gonna tell you to enjoy it by eating a fistful of rockford cheese that's not gonna be fun for you <laughs> maybe you could try a little bit and also but, uh i don't know if this counts as a pincho but you gotta tell the people where that cheesecake shop is that's that's how you gotta end your 10 pincho night for La sure Vina. i'll put it in there I'll put it in there. Perfect. Um, we also, Buck, you have an SPF rankings coming up, which we haven't seen in some time, but I'm really excited. So pre-WSL finals, we're going to get the SPF rankings. Um, naturally, there's going to be a lot of coverage that we're doing in the next week about the WSL finals, but I'm probably looking most forward to that one. And I also might have found a really, really fascinating writer to cover the WSL finals for us from sort of outside the surfing world we tend to do that every year we bring in somebody who's not super close to surfing and have them sort of explain the event from their point of view it usually ends up pretty enlightening and hilarious and i think that this one um, if it comes through will be no nothing short of that Ah, nice a lot to look forward to i love those i love those it just makes it it makes you realize how funny the whole thing is you know that we get all revved up about yep all right so that's coming but for now it is time to get into a surf sin Let's hear from Joel Vaughn. My, I confess to my greatest surf sin is when I was about 10 years old. I punched my older brother in the face in the surf when I was angry and he started chasing me in. So I caught a wave in and told my dad that he punched me and he ended up getting in trouble. So, yeah. <laughs> Interesting surf sin. Interesting surf sin. I can't say that it is one we've heard before. I don't know how he really got away with that. Um, well, you have a brother, right? I do have a brother, but yeah, actually, I get no. When you put it that way, I get it because there's just so much commotion, and the the parent just wants everybody to shut up. It doesn't matter who punched who. There's clearly an <laughs> altercation. Just everybody shut the fuck up. Um, so yeah, actually, I get that. You're right. I totally do. Um, <laughs> you didn't have to explain yourself, did you, Joel? So anyway, at first, if it's kind, you're not supposed to punch your brother in the face. You're not supposed to punch anybody in the face in the ocean. Um, I almost feel like it's better to punch your brother in the face than to punch a stranger in the face. I think that's my gut. But yeah, that's my thoughts on it thus far. What do you got, Mikey? Yeah, I mean, I I would imagine they were pretty young when this happened. Sounds like a young young brother thing to do. Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a sin. I don't know exactly what the circumstances were, but it's a sin. But it's also a really easily resolvable sin. So 
it sounds like there are at least three Vaughn brothers. I don't know if it goes beyond that, but Joel would be the middle because he's talking about his older brother. And then below Joel is obviously Huey Vaughn, who we saw in last year's uh, Van Stab High presented by Monster Energy. He had a really big performance there. So to me, it's really simple. Joel just has to let Huey punch him in the face. It's kind of a passing of the torch. And then beyond that, Huey has to let the firstborn son of his and Joel's older brother to punch him in the face and so on and so forth. It's a Vaughn family tradition. Wow, this is the first time we're perfectly aligned on this program. I had the same thing. Just let Huey punch you in the face. Fair is fair. Well, there you go. Joel, you have no option, really. Yeah, you just have to encourage your brother or maybe even like instigate him somehow. I don't know. Huey seems like a pretty mellow kid, but maybe if you took his french fries away or something like that, you could really get him riled up. I mean, he knows how to hit a lip, so he's going to get you. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go, Vaughn. Or Vaughn. Joel. Joel Vaughn. That's your penance. You just got to let Huey punch you. Um, I think Huey's still fairly small so I, I don't think it'll hurt that bad um and so we said at stab high though we're like oh this guy's small Ooh, it's windy it's big it's not gonna look what happened there you know joel's fucked that's he's true gonna, he's gonna yeah. have a tough time man <laughs> don't underestimate that kid based off his size that's a lesson we already learned mikey Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, you can submit it to michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. Film it vertically on your phone, 60 seconds or less. And if you get chosen to be aired on this podcast, you will win a free year of Stab Premium. So get in there. We, we love giving these sins and penances and all that. So, um, yeah, hit us with your best shot. And, yeah, a lot to look forward to next week, a lot to look forward to this week. I hope you're having a great week. And until then over and out.